You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. What well, is such a joy this morning to introduce two of my friends and colleagues, Zach Massingill and Liz Loudon. Zach Massingill and Liz Loudon. I have had the opportunity to introduce a lot of people, but today might be the most special. I had the opportunity when they were students to walk pretty closely alongside of them. Zach was my discipleship coordinator for two years, and I got to be there for almost all of his and Lydia's story. Um, So Lydia, we have prayed for you from the very beginning, and so thankful to have you and Lincoln here this morning. And then Liz was ARD and RA and Glide Crawford, and so just had so many opportunities to be challenged by them, to walk with them, to be encouraged by them. And when two spots for RDs came open here at Asbury, I knew who I wanted to pick um, and invited them to to apply and so thankful for the ways that God brought them here to Asbury. Who they are today is only a magnification of who we saw them as students. They walked with Jesus faithfully during their four years here at Asbury. They prayed for our campus. They were men and women of the word. They exhibited the fruit of the spirit. Hearing their prayers as students and hearing their prayers today for you all, they're the same. They want you to encounter the living Christ. They want you to walk in healing and freedom. They want you to know how deeply loved you are by God and by this community. I have the privilege of seeing the work they do behind the scenes, and you can trust them. You can trust the whole RD team, Liz, Zach, Matt, Emily, and Laura. We thank God for the way that he has put together this team for such a time as this. If you wanna know who Jesus is, follow them as they point you back to Jesus moment by moment, day by day. I'm honored. to be their friend. And it is a joy to do this good and holy work together. So would you welcome Liz Loudon. Well, good morning, everyone. It is such a joy to be with you all here this morning, as Judy shared just so beautifully and Wow, too much. Um, My name is Liz Loudon, and I am very proud to be the resident director in Kresge. Come on, Kresge. Um, And also, I'm a big fan of the Student Activities Cabinet. Yeah. Um, But it truly is the joy of my life um, to get to serve in this place, and not only get to work here, but to get to live in the midst of all of you. Are you making me emotional? Sorry, I'm trying not to cry a lot today, but here we go. Um, But I think I speak on behalf of all of the RD team. Like, it is truly the honor of our lives to get to know you all, to get to hear your stories, to get to hear what God is doing in your life, um, to get to hear where you're coming from and get to hear where you're going. Um, So as Jeannie encouraged, like, please stop by our offices, say hello to us. We want to get to know all of you. Well, I don't have much time here today, so I'm just going to jump right in, if that's okay, um, to testify to how I've seen the Lord move in my life. Um, So y'all just pray with me real quick. 
Lord, I thank you that you are here and that you go before us. God, will you just open all of our hearts to the words you have for us today? And Lord, will you just use me as your vessel, God, that these words are not mine, but they are truly yours. Lord, we love you and it's in your name. Amen. All right, so we're going to go back in time two years to spring 2022. Also, I like to walk and talk, but I know I can't do that today, so just bear with me. Um, two years ago, spring 2022, it was an interesting season for us here. If you can remember, even if you were on campus, it was what they called unprecedented times of COVID. Um, they really liked that word because it was truly unprecedented. Um, and we were kind of coming out of that season, and I'm an alum of the institution, and so I knew what Asbury could be, and I was like, God, this is not it. Like, you have more for us than this. We were, like, living in social isolation and all of these things. And so towards the end of that semester, I was like, okay, God, next year is going to be different. Like, you're going to do a new work here. And at the same time, he was graciously leading me into Joshua. And only the first chapter of Joshua. It's like anything I did, I couldn't get away from it. So I was like, okay, God, like, this is really cool. Because if you're familiar with the first chapter of Joshua, that is when Moses has died and God has appointed Joshua as the leader of the Israelites. And he is going to be the one who leads the Israelites into the promised land. And I was like, okay, Lord, I see what you're doing here. You are going to usher us into the promised land. And I cannot wait. Like, it's going to be so fun. And we're going to coast through the year. And life is going to be had on this campus. And it's going to be so full. Um, and it's just going to be a blast. And so we were headed into fall 22, and we're all back on campus. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this is the moment. Like, do this thing. And as we're walking through that semester, I was like, Lord, this cannot be the promised land. It couldn't be. Because as I interacted with each of you and as we did life on this campus, I just realized, like, the burdens were so heavy. And it was like mental illness was at an all-time high. And it was so hard to come out of this social isolation. And I just got the sense, like, Lord, this can't be it. And during that season, I just really clung to Joshua 1, in particular Joshua 1, 9, which later I put together was a senior class verse. Um, but it says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you always, wherever you go. And I was like, Lord, I know that you are the faithful, good God. And I know that that is true, but I don't know where you are right now in our midst. Like we were people desperate and hungry for him to come and move here. And so we got to the end of that semester and myself and all the other RDs, we were just exhausted. And I was like, okay, Lord, like, come on, come on. You got to do something. And I had the opportunity to go on set apart retreat um, at the end of that semester. And I just got the sense from the Lord that he was going to truly pour out his peace in a really profound way. I was like, okay, God, we're ready for it. And so we were, I was with my small group and we were doing this activity with James Ballard and he sent us out on the beach to kind of meditate on some scripture. And I just remember clearly sitting on the beach, just starting to cry because I could feel the presence of God and his peace. And really for the first time in a long time, I was like, okay, Jesus, I know you hear us. I know you see us, keep doing this. And I really just got the sense that he was like, Liz, I'm going to keep doing this. Just trust me. And so we came back in January, and um, I was like, okay, Lord, like, this is it. This is going to be the promised land, right? Like, surely we've been through enough already. Um, and it, was, it still wasn't. It still didn't feel like it. The best way I can describe January, which turned out to be, like, the hardest month of that whole year, was, like, walking through quicksand 
And as you walk through it, you kind of just get further down in it. At least I think that's how quicksand works. Um, could be talking about something else, I don't know. But <laughs> we, we were getting towards the end of January, and I was like, God, like, come on, come on. Like, your people are hurting, and we need you. And so February 6th rolls around, and I was on the phone with Jeannie, and we were just talking. And I was like, well, we both were just saying, like, you know what, God? If you don't send revival, I don't know what we do at this point. Like, as our struggles were increasing on this campus, it just seemed like our spiritual our temperature was just, like, plummeting. And I was like, Jesus, come on. Like, I know you have better for us than this. And so we get to February 8th, um, and I was in chapel that day to do one announcement for a women's retreat that actually would not end up happening. <laughs> um, but that's what got me there that day. And... Um, I was just sitting right over here and the gospel choir was leading us in worship and we all stood for that first song. And I looked around and I was really saddened and just still frustrated. Cause I was like, God, like why are we still in this place? Cause when I looked out, like no one was singing along. And I was like, Jesus, you can do more than this here. Like help us pay attention to what you're doing. And so then the gospel choir started singing the second song. And, um, it was in that moment that it just really changed for me, that the presence of God came upon this place and upon myself in a way I truly have never experienced in my life. It's like I could just sense that he was on the other side of my fingertips, and I was just consumed and overwhelmed by his love in that moment. And I could just hear him saying, Liz, I've heard and I've seen this whole time, and I know, and I'm here with these people. I am here in your midst. Just trust me. And after that, um, Zach gets up to preach, and I think you all know the rest of what happened. And it was this beautiful time in our community of the Lord truly pouring himself out. Um, and I've spent some time now reflecting upon all of that, and there's a few things that I have come to know to be true, is that one, we were in the promised land, that the promised land just didn't look like what I thought it would. And I think for Joshua and the Israelites, it also did not look like what it they thought it would. I mean, in that first chapter of Joshua, no less than three times, the Lord goes, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Know that I am with you. Um, but it was better than I could have imagined. I really thought that past year would be so fun and easy and we would just like turn it up. But <laughs> he had other plans. In fact, he ushered us into the path of healing and deliverance. And that is what's going to change our lives for the rest of our lives. Two, I learned that, um, I learned more about his character in those days, that he is the God who sees us and hears us, that he hears every prayer, that maybe for some of you, when you feel like he isn't, I promise you he is, because I'm a person who was there too. And he is good, and he is kind, and he is faithful. And three, I learned that our faith is the most important gift we could ever receive. That during those months, God was tending to the roots of my faith and deepening them. He was pulling me closer to him. And at the beginning of the semester, Dr. Brown called us to be people who are serious about our faith. And Dr. Quainu, she reminded us that we are a people that God has poured out on, so we need to go and pour out. And what I know in the midst of all of that is that we can't do any of that. We can't be people who are serious about our faith. We can't be people who go and pour out unless we know what is in this word and who our God is. 
that it's in this word that we know more about who he is and what he has for us. And I believe, without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, that you all are the generation who's going to go forth and change this thing, that you're going to get the train back on its tracks, and we need it desperately. But none of us can do that unless we seek him earnestly and follow him obediently. And listen, wind and rain, storms, they're going to come. They've come in my life. I remember sitting here being like, ain't no way, God, like you and me, we got this thing. But I have been shaken, but I've stood firm on my faith. And it's because of this word. And even the days since revival, they haven't been easy, guys. Nothing's been perfect. But I know even deeper now that my faith can be rooted in him and I can trust him. And when the enemy comes knocking, he usually comes and he tries to tear apart our identity and what we're called to, right? But it's in this word that I know that we are his very good creation. That we are made in his image. That I know he has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us hope and a bright future. That when I look to my right or to my left, I can hear a voice behind me saying, this is the way. Walk in it. That it's in this word I know that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. That it's in this word that I see evidence time and time again of who he is, that he is the good God, who is the almighty God, El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, and that he is leading us through the promised land. But I'm also reminded last week when Carolyn Moore just so graciously invited us into the life of freedom. And she reminded us that we can put our trust in God's promises despite circumstance. That even when things are really hard, he still is doing a good work. And I know that to be true because, again, I see evidence in this book, in this story that we find ourselves a part of, in this life we find ourselves a part of. That it's in here that I know that Noah, he didn't know if the floods would come, but he built the ark anyways. That Abraham and Sarah, they desired to conceive a child, and the Lord helped them do that. And then the Lord asked that same couple to sacrifice their son. So in faithful obedience, they went to the Lord to do that, and the Lord met them and spared their son. That it's in this book that Rahab, a prostitute, was protected by the God of the Israelites, our God. That it's in this book that Mary, a humble teenager, was told, you're going to deliver the Messiah. And for nine months, she carried that baby to term. And then she delivered him and watched him go about a ministry that changed our lives for the rest of our lives. And that it's in Jesus that we see him perform miracle after miracle, healing and setting people free. The same God who did that can do that in us, guys. And that it's in this book that Jesus went to outcast and loved them. So when you feel too far gone, you are not. And maybe you're like, Liz, that revival thing did nothing for me. Or Liz, God met me there, and now I find myself back in the pit again. Guys, that God who did all of that is the same God who can meet us. And just ask him today, hey, God, show me where you are in this. That's what I had to do for months. Like, God, where are you? And slowly and tenderly, he was peeling it back and showing me where he was. And it's in this book that we see the disciples watch our Savior die and rise again and ascend to the throne of heaven, and that they take seriously the commission to go and make disciples of all men, all nations, and they do that. And because they did that, we get to stand upon this word today. We get to be in this place today. But all of those people, they knew something. 
I'm getting told to wrap up. Here we go. They knew something. They knew that this land is not our home, that we are foreigners in this land, but they kept their eyes to heaven because that's where our citizenship lies, and they could trust God because of that. So when I say be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you always. We are not strong or courageous in our own strength, but we are strong and courageous in the God who makes us strong and courageous, in the God who is strong and courageous. So wherever you find yourself today, hold that truth closely to your heart, that he is doing a new work in you, and he is making you strong and courageous, so that you do not have to fear, that you do not have to be dismayed. The other thing his word tells us is that he came that we might have life and have it to the full. We all pray with me. Jesus, you are the good God, the faithful God who is meeting us and seeing us, Jesus. Lord, I just pray over all of your children in this room, God, that you will meet them today, wherever they are at, wherever they're wrestling you, God, wherever your light needs to go, that you will meet them in that, Jesus, and you'll be a comfort to their soul. And Lord, I pray for Zach as he comes to share his testimony. Lord, will you just empower him, and will you speak your words through him, Jesus? It's in your name. Amen. So Liz is the type of person you need in your life because she gets me fired up. Like, I was just sitting over there like, woo, let's go. Like, <laughs> but I don't know if Jeannie remembers this. Jeannie, actually, I had responsibilities as the discipleship coordinator, uh, but I was really interested in this girl, and I wanted to ask her out this one weekend. And Jeannie told me, you need to ask that girl out instead of coming to this, like, worship service. So thanks, Jeannie, for encouraging me <laughs> to ask out that girl, because now we have a child together. <laughs> but Hughes Auditorium is such a special place for me, because like Jeannie said, like Liz and I were once in your shoes. I can still remember the first day of chapel freshman year. Sarah Baldwin explains what a chapel buddy is, right? She encourages us, take a moment, introduce yourself to the people around you. And I was sitting right in the back balcony my guy Nathan is sitting right there. What's up, Nathan? Uh, so I turned to my right, and uh, there's this girl sitting next to me. I didn't know her. I say, hi, I'm Zach, and I stick out my hand to introduce myself to her. And she literally, like, rolls her eyes at me and just turns away. And she decides every chapel after that to slam her backpack down right on my foot, every chapel, for the rest of the semester. But I remember... Sneezing so loud that the speaker said, bless you, in this section. I remember catching some uh, chapel wasps up in that section. But this section, the junior section, that's the one that's most memorable to me. It was uh, in that section that Dr. Hull explained to me what evangelism is. Dr. Bounds taught me about sacred time and space. John Reinheimer spoke on what fills you, forms you. Steve Deneff showed me what the Trinity has to do with holiness. Phil Vischer, guy from VeggieTales, came and shared about his journey with Jesus, and Jeannie Banter encouraged me to be bold in my faith. And the list goes on and on of these sacred moments in my life where the Lord met me, where uh, the Spirit connected my mind to my heart. I wish I would have taken better notes my life changed because of chapel, so I urge you not to take it for granted. 
And I hope you know by now that Hughes Auditorium is a place where the Lord resides. And it's with that recognition of the thousands of lives that have been changed in this sacred space that I come to this talk with you wondering, what in the world could I share with you guys that would make a difference in your life? That's actually the exact question I asked my wife, Lydia. And some of you in the room have benefited from her spiritual gift of wisdom combined with the courage to speak truth freely. And she quickly reminded me that my own journey, specifically in regard to calling and vocation, was a story that some of you might relate to. And it's a story about God's faithfulness. You know, I like to tell people that I fell in love with three things in my time here at Asbury. Lydia, theology, and ministry. My time here, I experienced what some people have described as the ordinary call. Professors and mentors saw something in me. They urged me to continue developing my gifts and heart and service to the kingdom. You know, some might have pushed me towards academics. Some were pushing me towards church ministry. Some were pushing me to counseling. But all of them were encouraging me. And they recognized things in me that I didn't see in myself. And I came to Asbury because I knew it was a place that I was going to learn more about God. I was going to learn how to serve him. But while I was here, I was obsessed with the specifics of my calling. I wanted to know, am I, am I supposed to do youth ministry? Am I supposed to teach? Am I going to preach? Like, am I supposed to be a personal trainer? Like all of these things. At times I was so focused on planning out all of these details that I lost sight of the fundamental calling that we all have. Fundamentally, Calling is about loving God, loving neighbor, and walking in obedience. That's square one. The foundation of who we are as children of God. And before we can even take that step where we're looking towards the future, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow Him to change our lives. Dr. Steve Siemens once told me that we have to focus on the fruits of the Spirit in order for the gifts of the Spirit to matter. Without the fruits of the Spirit... We'll continue to hurt others, hurt ourselves, instead of doing the work that God has called us to do. And I want to make it clear that our calling into holiness never ceases. We're constantly called deeper and deeper into the love of the Father. To receive His grace, the Spirit's power, to sanctify us to the capacity to love more, to have more faith, to learn more about Him, and to grow into the people that God has created us to be. That calling, it's in front, it's behind, it surrounds everything that we do. And any time that we talk about calling, that has to be central. We're called to be holy. And as the Lord continually draws us closer to himself, he also draws us into his mission. And I'd love to share with you just a couple things that I learned about calling along the way as I was pulled into that mission. One thing the Lord taught me is that faith isn't a clear outline path for your life. It's taking the next step that God reveals to you. And as I think about all of the call narratives of Scripture, the one that I've been drawn to a lot recently, the one that I think mirrors my experience the most, is the calling of Peter and Andrew in Matthew 4. So Jesus comes to these fishermen. He calls them out of their way of life, out of their way of thinking, their comfortability into his purposes as he bids them to come and follow him. And he'll make them fishers of men. That's similar to how I felt God calling me in my own life. And I can point to key moments throughout my life where God was calling me to lay down what I thought was best, 
to follow him as he led me. You know, as I look at this passage, Peter and Andrew weren't given the specifics of what this calling would entail. Biblical scholars actually point to the urgency of this account. It's sort of like, uh, you need to come right now, and I'll explain things later. That's kind of how I felt. I knew that the Spirit had given me this sense of urgency about serving God, dropping everything to follow Him, but I also didn't know how God wanted to use me. I was frustrated because it seemed like everyone else knew exactly what they were going to do with their lives. But I had a variety of interests. I had a lot of things that I enjoyed doing. And I was so stressed. The pressure felt so real because I wanted to do what God called me to do. But I was so anxious that I, I wanted to make sure that I was taking the right steps. I said earlier that faith is taking the next step that God reveals to you. And I really wish someone would have just sat me down and said that to me specifically. You see, it wouldn't be faith if you could see the future. If you knew exactly where God wanted to take you. If you had like your next 10 years, everything on a list of this is what you're supposed to do. This is where you'll be. That isn't faith. Because faith is complete and utter dependence on God. If he lined everything out for us, we might be tempted to just run ahead and do things in our own strength. I learned that instead of asking God, please tell me everything now, to ask, God, tell me what I'm supposed to do right now. And he is faithful to reveal what he wants from us. He'll guide us down the right path. I've seen it in my own life as he's led me down paths that I never knew I would walk. I never thought... I'd be a resident director. But God opened that door, revealed himself to me, and now I can say that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Another thing I learned is that calling is about giving all of yourself for God's purposes in your current situation. Sometimes where God leads you is a place that's challenging. And I do think that Asbury is doing an awesome job at preparing you for a career in your field. But many of us won't have a job that we like right away. And to be quite frank with you, the dream job is a concept found nowhere in Scripture. I don't think the Apostle Paul dreamed of being a tent maker as a kid. I didn't think that I'd have to deliver Grubhub, work three part-time jobs to make ends meet after college. I didn't think working in local churches was going to be as difficult as it was. If you look at statistics of young people in the workplace, more and more of them are not content. And I want to be kind to those in that situation, recognize that the system is flawed, that many people are in jobs where they're paid unfairly, they have hostile work environments, and that's wrong, right? And as Christians, we're supposed to improve the lives of the suffering. We're supposed to stand for justice. So abuse, toxic work environments, that's not what I'm talking about. It's not what I'm referring to. But I do wonder if part of the problem with this lack of contentment is that we've bought in so heavily to the American dream instead of recognizing the fact that we're called to work to glorify God and serve the people around us. Once we realize that whatever work we're doing, it's a gift from God, that it's important, that it has the ability to bring joy, spark conversations, and be an example to those around us, then we find purpose in what we do. Not only that, we get to do all of it in the power of the Holy Spirit, guiding us, empowering us, transforming us to do great things. 
I didn't enjoy my time as a personal trainer very much. People I worked with, they really struggled with objectifying women. They weren't there to improve the lives of their clients. They were just there to get a paycheck and then go back to the house. But even so, I think I actually talked with more people about Jesus in that job than I did during my job at churches at times. And it was in those moments that God was affirming that for this season, this is what I was supposed to be doing. It's really all about the mindset that we bring to what we do. And remember that our lives speak when we allow God to move in us. So I wonder if maybe some of you are here and you're anxious like I was. Maybe you don't know what God's plan for your life. And I'm here to tell you that is okay. God is good. You can trust him to lead you, to take care of you as you discern where he's going to take you. We're all called. We're all called to be more like Christ. We're all called to follow the next step that God gives us. And we're all called to be a light in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. So let's spend some time in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit for his presence and direction. God, I thank you so much for a place like Asbury where we can come and focus on knowing you. And Lord, I pray that at the center of who we are would be your presence, that you would come and you would make yourself known to us and that we would just have open hands to whatever you want to give to us, whatever you want us to receive, whatever you want us to lay down, God, that we would focus on you. Lord, we trust you to lead us. We trust you to form us. So God, would you come? Would you be with us and would you reveal to us those next steps that we need to take? Would you show us your character like Liz was talking about? Would you help us lean on your promises from Scripture? And Lord, in all things, I pray that we would be more like you. Thank you for using flawed people like me to do your work. You were good, God, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.